be a guide to help them learn and improve like that, that fires me up. Like if I can, if I can be that sort of person for the people I care about, um, then yeah, it feels like a pretty, uh, meaningful life for me to live. So. All right. I'm here with the one and only John Mayer. John, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. John, you are an NCAA champion, a four-time AVP champion, a two-time FIVB champion. You're the current head coach of the LMU beach volleyball team coming off an impressive 21 NCAA run. You're the co-host of the Coach Your, Coach Your Brains Out podcast and the co-author of Coach Your Brains Out, um, which is a book about lessons on the art and science of coaching volleyball. Johnny, John Mayer, thanks so much for being here, man. Oh, thanks for that intro, Aaron. Uh, yeah, I'm honored. Uh, and I, I feel like half that stuff was a while ago, but um, I'm honored that you had me on. A lot of the guests you've had have been so good. I've listened to some episodes and I love what you're doing with the podcast. So I'm really a uh, yeah, hopefully I can add something to uh, what you're doing here. Oh, man, thanks so much. And, you, you know, you and Billy Allen and Andrew Fuller and, and Nils, you guys inspired <laughs> me to, to get mine going. So um, let's just get right into it, man. What is what is living an inspired life mean to you? Yeah, I, you know, I listened to some of your episodes and hear you ask that that question. And it got me thinking about it. And I, I love uh, being challenged and thinking about things. So I love how you start with it. In some ways, I, I go to it and I go, you know, inspiration is a feeling and it's a feeling that is like temporary. And I feel like when it comes, like, it's great. Like, I love it. Like, I love, you know, I'm, I'm like, it's, I guess things are easier. Like I can accomplish my goals and I can do the things I want to do. But I guess I'm almost more interested when like, when I'm not inspired, like all those moments where like, I don't want to do the things that matter to me, like can I, can I still do the work? Can I still do, can I still push myself? Can I still learn? Can I still grow? Like all those days where it's like, no, like I don't feel like I want to. So it made me go back and forth. Like, yeah, like inspiration comes, but, but again, like it's a feeling and feelings are, are, are limited. Um, so I guess, as you can tell, now I'm just more confused than I, than I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I think you're absolutely right. I guess I started this whole project, you know, based on that question of that, that what you're saying is like, how do we keep kids inspired? And how do we keep ourselves inspired? You know, because when we are uninspired, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird feeling. And it's not not necessarily a positive feeling. So, you know, I agree with you. I think it is kind of a weird, uh, it's like a temporary feeling. But the idea of this project is to try to evoke that feeling out of ourselves more and then evoke that feeling um, from the players that we coach and the people that we're surrounded by more, right? More often. So, you know, when you mentioned being uninspired, so, you know, what are some tools you use when you're uninspired to try to get back to that inspired place? I guess the biggest thing is I try to get clear on what my values are. Um, and I've spent time like really thinking about it and, you know, journaling and, and reflecting on like people I really respect, like what, what do I see in them that like is really important to me? Like what values come out? And so, you know, I've done a lot of reflection on it and I've found some of the things that are important to me. And if, if there's those days where like I am uninspired or those days where like, yeah, I, I don't want to do the work. Like if, if I'm clear on my values, then I can go live it. Like, I, you know, it's, it's more about like, what actions can I take to be the person I want to be on the days that are tough? And so some of my values I've thought about 
you know, um, being a lifelong learner. Like I, I always want to be growing. I always want to be improving. I always want to be getting better. But most days I wake up, like I want to take the easy route, right? I want to do, um, I don't know. I think most of us like are drawn to what's comfortable. Um, so I don't, off, I don't always feel inspired to like do hard things, but because I know that value is so important to me because I know the actions I have to take to live it, I'm going to do the work and I'm going to do the things that help me live my values. So to me, it's like getting really clear on your values and like, you got to back it up, right? You got to back it up when you're inspired. You got to back it up when you're not feeling it and everywhere in between. I love that, Johnny. I love that. I mean, I, I really agree with that. And I kind of want to carry that into what we were talking about before, which is that difference between inspiration and motivation. Mm. What does that, what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, that's a good question. Inspir um, inspiration. I mean, they're, I guess they're, they're related. <laughs> inspiration is, um, I guess it feels a little bit to me and I, you could tell me if I'm wrong, you've thought about this more, but I feel like inspiration maybe comes from um, like something outside of you, like something kind of brings it on where I feel like motivation is more in, maybe internally driven. Like you, you know, you, you have to bring it out. Um, mm. But yeah, clearly I haven't thought about this enough, but <laughs> I, I feel like I um, like inspiration will come in glimpses, right? It'll come from, um, I don't know, an athlete who I see just like really pushing themselves, doing hard things or a coach who I really respect who, um, I don't know. Yeah. is like just at the top of their game. Like that inspires me. So I, I guess I get inspired by outside sources where maybe motivation is more like, I'm just, again, like going back to my values, like I'm clear on my values. So I'm motivated to go back those up. I don't know. What, what do you, am I off there? What do you think? Yeah, no, it's an interesting take on it because in my mind, I have that flipped. I think oh, really? inspiration oh, comes from within huh. and motivation kind of comes from outside sources. But I, that's why I love asking people like you yeah. who I believe, I see, I believe I'm motivated by you. I'm inspired by you too. So mm. I, it's kind of like, it's almost a synonym in a certain sense, yeah. but yeah, you know, but, um, but you know, that's why I love asking the, that question because it sparks this conversation. It sparks this, this thought process of like, man, like because both are good, right? Yeah. Staying oh, yeah. inspired, staying important. motivated. I think both are really positive, yeah. you know, especially in the field that we're in, which is about leadership, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're, we're constantly trying to lead others and trying to bring the best out of others, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, that, that's why I love asking that question. And, and I don't know, you know, who knows, right? But it's just a good conversation, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I, I could see the way you framed it, too. Um, yeah, it seems like both are important parts of getting the best out of yourself and, and the best out of others. And um, yeah, I'm going to ponder it more. You've got me thinking. Which okay. Like. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I actually want to ask you about becoming a, a lifelong learner. I, I, I actually listened to the Sandcast episode that you were on and shout out to the the Sandcast guys, um, mm. Try and Travis. But, you know, we're, talk about that for a second, because I really love that being a lifelong learner. I mean, you just never shut off the learning and you always stay curious, right? I mean, yeah, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I feel like it was a big shift for me. I mean, a lot of it came from, um, yeah, maybe I think maybe being inspired or being um, motiv motivated. I don't know which one it is by, <laughs> um, by a mentor, by a guy named Tom Black, who was a, a really good coach. And um, he introduced me to the, you know, this popular idea now, but I hadn't heard of it at the time. This is maybe 10 years ago 
of a growth and fixed mindset mm-hmm. and the idea that, you know, abilities can be grown and, and you can improve. And I think I was at a point in my, my volleyball career where it was like, I'd gotten pretty good. And it was like, I'm just going to kind of be what I am. You know, I don't, you know, I'm just going to go to practice and, you know, just stay, you know, stay where I'm at. It was like at a plateau point. And I guess reading that and, and understanding that, you know, we are malleable. We, you know, we can't improve. It's just like, what, what am I doing? Like, no, like there's more in me. And, and I started to just make a shift to like looking at all the areas of my life uh, that are in my control that I could do at a higher level that I could, I could challenge myself more in that I could grow in. And once you start doing it, it's like uh, a way more fun way to live and a, a way more worthwhile way to go about your day. And again, like within your control, like it, it was something I felt like it was, it, it's become a value, like I said. So um, yeah, uh, I think it's a, it's something that like, you're never, never going to like reach the peak of it. It's like, I, I can always just become a better learner and I can always challenge myself more. And it, I don't know. Yeah. It pushes me each day to, to want to be better. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And, and you mentioned Tom Black, um, you know, he's a great coach. I actually wanted to ask you about coach Marv Dumphy because I know you played for him and he's kind of a, a legend, it, not kind of, he is a legend in, in yeah. our sport, but just in coaching in general, you know, um, speaking of lifelong learning, what, what did you, what, what were the main things that you learned from Marv? Yeah. I mean, Marv so much. I mean, <laughs> he, uh, never raised his voice in my three years there. Um, and the standard for excellence was, you know, off the charts, um, and the competitiveness and the, the fire in the gym was, was insane. And it wasn't driven by him. It was driven by the culture he created and, and the way he motivated people. Um, he always cared about me first. Like he wanted to know my family. He wanted to know my brother. He wanted to know my teachers. Like he, he just, you could feel the level of care was really, really high. And it wasn't always associated with how well I played on the court. Um, he, he, you know, he wanted me to play well and he wanted to get the best out of me. And it stayed that way. Like he's always stayed connected. And I mean, we had like an hour call two weeks ago about his, his experience in Vietnam. He was a, a Vietnam vet and he told me stories for, for an hour and, um so yeah he's just uh just a guy who who also like he has this incredible like high level understanding of volleyball and 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 of coaching but he he's able to express it in a really humble relatable motivating way where it's like you know he's not gonna look down at you um and i also i mean going back to the lifelong learner like i you know i was in the gym for three years with him and i remember coming back two three years later and was like man he's evolving like they're running, you know, running Bix or their the practice looks different. Like he, he's won five national championships, won gold medals. And he's not just like, you know, I know it all and I'm done. He's, he's still pushing himself. So you see stuff like that. And it's like, man, if the, the people at the best are still challenging themselves, then like, what am I like? Okay. I can do more. There's more in me too. So yeah. I, I mean, get me going up Marvel I'll go all day, but yeah, he's, he's, yeah. Uh, he's the best. Yeah. Yeah, Coach Marv, shout out, Pepperdine legend. Um, <laughs> could could you take some of that stuff and 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 just apply it to what you're doing now at LMU and just how you you're creating your own culture of excellence and if you want to say motivation or inspiration too, but just the, this this idea of lifelong learning and just this culture, right? Yeah, well, I think it, it starts with uh, modeling. You know, like you can't, I can't make someone a learner. I can't make someone motivated. I can't. I can't decide if someone wants to be inspired, 
but I can model the values that I think are really important to, to high levels of performance. Um, so, you know, I'm, when we're on airplane rides, I'm reading books, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about practice. Hey, like, this is what I've read in the latest skill acquisition research, like, and I'm going to try it. Like, and I might mess up, like, you know, but I'm pushing myself and I'm going to keep making mistakes. Cause I want to, I want to be great at what I do. And I know I can be better than I am today for you guys. And then, mm. I mean, from, from Marv, I also try to bring in the, you know, we, we value who you are more than how you perform. Like I, I want to get to know you. I want to, I want to be um, someone who's caring for you and your, your life. And, you know, if, if uh, the performance, if that, I think that's going to help your performance, but I'm never going to be like, you're, you're playing poorly. So I'm going to treat you poorly. Like, you know, I'm, I'm here for you as a person first and a volleyball player second. And we care about both. Like we want perform high level performance and we want you to have a great experience. Um, but one's not going to affect the other. I love that. I really love that. Um, it makes me think about as a coach, as a leader, how do you get your players and even your staff to buy into being process oriented rather than, and, and journey oriented rather than result oriented? Uh, I mean, lots of conversations again, like, I think, I think like you have to model it. And then the second part is you have to, you have to notice it in others. Like I've got to catch them doing it right. Like when I see them taking a risk, when I see them, um, maybe going above and beyond to like learn more about something, like I've got to call it out. Like, Hey, that's you learning. Like that's you challenging yourself. Like you're, you're living out our culture. Um, yeah, I think those are the, like, to me, those are the big two rocks. Like, can I, can I walk the walk every day? Can I live the culture and the, and the values that I, I see as important to, to LMU volleyball? And then how often can I notice it in people when they do the same? And, and can I make sure I create a space for them to do it, right? Can I give them, you know, I, I can't, if I'm holding their hand and doing, you know, all the reading and all the problem solving for them, they don't get those opportunities. But if I create an environment where they can take risks, where they can, you know, as my, my staff, if they can, um, you know, push themselves and I've got to be the first one to notice it. And the first one to, um, you know, I don't love the word praise, but the first one to, uh, I guess, you know, praise them in a, uh, not in like a, uh, you know, a meaningless way, but like for something they did, you know, some sort of sub- substance that they did. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. And it, it actually makes me think of the whole idea of inspired leadership. I, we, I know we were just talking about that, but, you know, on that podcast um, episode with Sean Johnson, you know, he was talking about leadership and servant leadership. And um, you just mentioned creating this environment. So could you tie in those things like leadership, inspired leadership, servant leadership, and how those things create or help to create an environment of success? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, like the servant leadership idea, I know it's, it's like a pretty big buzzword. I guess I just, I mean, I always like, you know, growing up, think of a leader as this like charismatic and this person just like other world, worldly. And like, I never felt like that was me um, who could be in that. So I guess not, not, so, I mean, partially because I'm more comfortable with it, but also I think it's more effective is like, I see it as we have a group of people who have leadership skills and my goal is to try to to bring it out of them and to give them opportunities to, you know, I think good leadership involves initiative. You know, it involves, um, you know, being brave. And so giving giving people, my, my staff, giving my players opportunities to be leaders. You know, if I'm always the one 
you know, taking center stage and, and, you know, taking the, uh, I don't know, doing it all, then they don't get those opportunities. So to me, I I see a whole group of leaders. I see leadership, leadership's the ability to affect positive change and, and everyone has that ability to do that. So, um, yeah, I guess I just, I, I don't see it as like a one person deal. I don't see it as like, um, um, a one size fits all, like there's one way to be a leader. I think all of us have different, um, different ways to take initiative or to, to be brave. So, um, I know I'm being kind of like vague with a lot of this, but, uh, yeah, I guess no, I just, okay. yeah, I just see it as like, uh, um, for me, it's like, I'm trying to pull it out of them and give them opportunities to, to, to take those, you know, to, to be leaders. And, and then again, like, just notice it, like call it out when I see it, like, that's you taking initiative. Like you just spoke up when, when, um, you know, it was really quiet in our team huddle and like, you know, so making sure I, I notice it when people are leaders. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I love that. And I think that's one of the main goals as coaches, you know, is to create more leaders, right? It's not just to lead others. It's to empower someone else to be a leader. And, and I think you asked uh, Sean uh, this question that I'm about to ask you. I'd love to ask you this. Do you think leadership is a skill? Yeah. Um, gosh, it's, it's nicer just to throw them out there than have to like answer these hard questions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the other side of it. Uh, yeah, no, I think I absolutely believe leadership is a skill um, and skills can be grown. And, and the way you, the way you improve skills is by, making mistakes and you know you've got to race race towards failure right you've got to like you've got to put your neck out and 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 take the chances to to be a leader um so yeah again i'm kind of repeating myself but like to grow the skill of leadership you've got to take chances of being a leader and and then when you make those mistakes you've got to uh reflect on them and look back on it like you know hey i took a risk that was awesome but like how could i have how could i have executed it better like how could i have been clear in what i said like could I have brought more clarity to that situation? Um, could I have been more direct? Could I have been more, you know, caring as a leader? So, yeah, I mean, it, all these things are soft skills that if you practice it, you can get better at it. If you reflect, right, reflection is a big part of learning. And then if you take the opportunity to take chances, then then you're going to grow that skill. So, yeah, I think 100% it's it's something we can we can get all get better at. Um, I feel like yeah, um, I was pretty low in the so pretty low on the leadership category. So if, if we can't grow, then I, I would have been pretty screwed. I, I wouldn't have gone, <laughs> been able to do much as a coach. So hopefully I'm getting better at it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You are. I mean, the results speak for themselves. Um, I want to shift into mindset and I want you to kind of answer these questions from a player perspective, because you're a champion. And then also as a coach, um, what is your mindset? Like pre during post training sessions and games, like how do you, how do you just frame your mind to go into your craft? Um, I guess as a player, I think when I was playing my best, you know, pre I start with practice, but like pre-practice, I was, uh, just really clear on the, the couple things I wanted to improve at, you know, if you're, if you're everywhere, you're nowhere, right? If you, if you want to get better at 20 things, I don't think there's going to be a lot of growth. So I just wanted to identify and, and identify like what, you know, what was I going to get out of practice? Like, what was I going to be locked in on and what was I going to challenge myself in? You know, and some of it would come from watching film the day before. And then as I drive into practice, I just had a spot where it's like, I got to this light and I was like, all right, this is the time I turn off the radio. And I think about like my, you know, two to three tasks for the day. 
And then it's just, can I get into practice and get as many like game-like situations as possible to improve at that and make lots of mistakes with it. And then you finish practice and you reflect, right? The drive home or you get out a journal and you, you write about those three things. Like, how did I improve? Um, you know, where were the mistakes? What's my next steps? And if, you know, just rinse and repeat, right? You do that again uh, day after day. Um, yeah. And then were you saying also then like for competition? Well, yeah, but, but hold on a second there because okay. uh, you, you mentioned journaling. Um, I feel like a lot of champions and just inspired people or motivated people, you know, really use that journal. Could you talk about that? Like in a little bit more depth, because now we have such a cell phone culture and, uh, you know, and the iPhone culture, whatever, we're just always in it, myself included. Right. Um, you know, how do we get away from the phone and get into that journaling? Cause I, I think it's really powerful, but just talk about that for a second. Yeah. I was actually listening to Andrew Huberman, who's the uh, neuroscientist in Stanford and he had a recent episode on um, skill acquisition and he was talking about, there's a lot of research just behind visualization, like post-practice. I think people will visualize a lot like the night before, like pre-practice, but just spending, he said like one to 10 minutes recalling, um, you know, having visual images of the performance. And there's some, uh, there's lots of evidence that it'll transfer the next day, but I think journaling creates the same sort of idea, right? Is a, uh, you know, and I mean, the simple prompt we'll go to a lot with my LMU players is um, we'll do like a, a three, two, one. What are three things that went well today? You know, two things um, that were a challenge and then one thing you want to do better tomorrow. You know, we can vary those. Uh, there, there's some rhyme and reason behind it. I think we, we generally have a negativity bias. Um, so it's easy for us to recall like all the mistakes, uh, but we want to train ourselves to... Um, you know, probably have some productive self-talk and, and recognize all the wins we had. So that's why you do, you know, three of the, the things that we did well. Um, and then I think having the, the clarity on like, what could I do better? Like what's one thing I could do better so I can go into t- tomorrow on a mission. Um, mm. So yeah, I think the benefits of journaling is just, you get that reflection piece, you get the opportunity to notice like all the wins, all the things you did well, and then to clarify the mission for tomorrow. Um, and it that. doesn't take long, right? You can do that in five minutes. And, and if it, you know, I, I don't know, I think you can get a sense of like all the learning opportunities if you do it, but it's just having the discipline and the habit built in. Um, once you do it, it's a no brainer. Mm, man, I really like that. That's a, that's a great one. Um, it, it makes me think of, it also makes me think of visualization. Did, did you use visualization uh, when you were at Pepperdine or, you know, when you're on the AVP or, or in the international tour, did you use some of that? I wish I would have more, you know, I've been reading more on the the research behind it. Like, I mean, nothing replaces, like you, you have to do, you have to do the activity, like the, I, no, you don't have to, but the, the way to improve is to like, you know, to perform the skill in a game-like situation, but visualization, like there's evidence of, you know, they've done studies where like someone shot free throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like one group, you know, shooting, you know, real life and the one group visualizing and the visualization group, like there's, there's improvement. It's not at the same level as doing it. So it seems like, um, especially if there's an injury or you're limited on the amount of reps you can get, uh, or you're just obsessed with what you do, like spending, you know, building into your day, uh, a small period of time to visualize is, it seems like a low cost you know, there's no, no chance of injury and there's like a pretty good opportunity. You're going to improve at what you do. So yeah, um, I'm all about it. And I think the one thing, like I've learned a little bit from a sports psychologist, uh, the Pittsburgh pirates, Bernie holidays, we can be like judgmental with this stuff. Like, 
oh, I don't know how to visualize right. And, you know, I'm supposed to picture it like this. And he talks about like visualizing could be, you know, go with what works for you. It could be a movie playing in your head. It could be like, you know, you're looking through a yearbook and you're just seeing snapshots, you know, so visualization, like make it your own. And, and, you know, I think there's evidence that it works either way. So don't get too judgmental about it. Yeah. I love that. I think recently you had someone on your, uh, on your podcast talking about, they created an app that can oh, help, yeah. um, that can help with that. Yeah. I've heard, uh, yeah. Neuro, Neurofuel. Um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name now, but yeah, uh, people have really liked, I, I messed around with it a little bit. There's some guided visualization, um, and it's very volleyball specific. So for volleyball people, but, but I think it, it could apply across sport. Uh, it sounds like people really like it. Um, I got to check it out more. Yeah. Yeah. I, we use that at UCLA and I, I just, it just really, I, I really like it. And I think my goal personally is to help, uh, is to use it more in my personal life, not just in sport, right. Just like visualizing things, yeah. um, financially, you know, relationships, you know, whatever it may be. But I think, I think there's a lot of power there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, images are a lot, are a lot more powerful than, than language and, and the stories we tell, like we're, we, uh, like stories are, gosh, they're just such an innate human thing. And, mm-hmm. and stories are what get people to, I think, be motivated to go do things. So, uh, yeah, I mean, visualization all plays into that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. And, and it really kind of uh, plays into the next thing, which is emotional management, right? Which is a big part of this whole story that we're talking about here. You know, um, how do you, what is, first of all, what does that mean to you? Emotional management. Hmm. A couple things. Um, I think again, like emotions are not within our control necessarily. Like emotions are are hmm. promoted by the environment you're put in or the people around you. Hmm. So I think to make sure you know you honor whatever emotions come up. Like I don't think like if I'm if I'm preparing for a match, right, and I feel I'm you know if I care a lot, I'm going to feel nervous. And I think what, you know, at one point in my career is like, I shouldn't feel nervous. This is wrong. Like you get judgmental about it, but really like, I don't get to decide like if my body's going to feel nervous and I'm going to feel that emotion. It's decided because I'm about, you know, my body's preparing to do something hard. Um, So I think a lot of times like the emotions are just, just putting your your body in the situation to get ready for something. But yeah, I think just to, um, with emotions, I think it's, notice it if it's an emotion that is affecting you i think you the, if you name it like there's the idea of name it to tame it um i think if it, if you name it it gives you some power over it versus like kind of like oh that's not there i'm not nervous but no like you know name it. i'm nervous okay yeah i feel that uh yeah i think it shows that i'm i care like i really want to win this game and then again like the emotions are going to come and they're going to change and i can't decide what they do but once I'm aware of those emotions and I'm not clouded by the emotions, I can get onto my values. Like I can be like, okay, I'm nervous, but I know to me what's important is to be a blue collar, hardworking player on the court or to be like the best teammate I could be to get the best out of my partner. So those nerves, even though the score is 20 all, like that's not going to decide who I'm going to be right now. Like I'm going to honor it. I'm going to recognize it, but I'm going to go live out, you know, my values and be who I want to be. So I think emotions are, you know, yeah, I think they're, they're there and we, we can't, yeah, again, we can't like control them, but uh, I think we can honor them and, and, uh, but then go be who we want to be. Mm, wow. Um, we had mentioned Mike Gervais uh, earlier yeah. and yeah. in our, in our pre-show talk and 
um, he was talking about there's there's no big moments mm. or maybe there are big moments in sport, right? When the game's on the line. Um, but it's not, I don't know if that's all that realistic in that moment, right? When the game's on the line. And I've watched you, I've watched you over the years, man, like, uh, you know, in the NCAA finals, you know, and uh, with James Caw, you guys were just, you guys were awesome uh, at Pepperdine and, and, uh, and then, you know, through the AVP and stuff. And so I actually want to ask you about the emotional management in those big moments, right? Because you seem always so calm, John, you're always so calm, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I just want to dive deeper into that calmness because maybe you learned it from Marv, you know, maybe it's innate, you know, but now as a coach, you know, how do you teach that calmness? In those big moments yeah i don't know if i do i mean i, I didn't necessarily feel calm like <laughs> i think i'd feel nervous <laughs> okay. a lot and i'd feel anxious um you know in those moments i'd try to focus on a breath or i'd get like again clear on my values but i think for a while i thought that's like oh when i coach that's how i've got to get my athletes to be like that um but then as i've learned more i think it's more important to like to understand your athletes and know what they're like their best and some athletes they have high energy and like they're really good when they're bouncing around and they're they're jumping around i don't want to suppress that um so i prefer i i think if i think of one of my athletes this year like if she was calm that would have meant she was she was not herself and she wasn't you know competing at the level she wanted to so i think it's more important just to to have that self-awareness uh you know personally but then also where a coach can really observe like it seems like when you're at your best you know, you're, you're like a lion out there. Like you're, you know, you're raging or, you know, whatever it is, like whatever emotion that, that they get the best out of. So I don't think you necessarily, there isn't, I don't think there's one way to perform at a high level for me. Yeah. I think being steady and, and staying consistent. And those are things that I felt like were strengths. So I, I would try to bring that out. And, and when I did feel like higher anxiety or higher nervous, I had some tools that I would use, you know, like anybody slowing things down, um, yeah, take, you know, focusing on a, you know, an exhale, I think an inhale can bring in some energy and exhale can calm you down. So kind of just deciding where I wanted to go on that spectrum of, of things. So, yeah, I think again, just know yourself and then have some tools to help yourself get there. Awesome. Awesome. Um, man, it, it makes me think of watching you play, uh, you know, in some of those finals and stuff and your body can, I actually want to talk to you about body control because your body control is, it's pretty unique. Uh, you, you, your ability to go slow to fast, fast to slow. Um, did you train that? Did that just, was that just a natural talent that you had? Um, you know, and, and then, and then how do you coach that? Yeah. I mean, I was, I never felt like I was that good at body control. Thanks for saying that. Um, I had a, you know, I had some good, good coaches who, who would train it. Yeah. I mean, especially with the approach and you're talking about like going slow to fast. Um, that was some of the stuff, you know, I'd go into practice, just like, all right, I'm going to get better at a slow first step today. And that was it. Like that was the whole practice. It's like, I'm going to mm. take a slower first step. So break, really breaking things down into some smaller components. Um, Cause it can, it can get easy to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to become the world's best attacker today, but there's a lot to it. So I think, yeah, just spending that time. And then, and then my practices were like pressure filled. Like I never did like stuff where there was no defense on the other side or, you know, I'm getting easy free balls and that's how I'm like, all right, I'm going to work on a slow first step, like trying to play against, against the best possible player I can play against and, and doing like, you know, hard situations. 
So I think some of that, like that's where you get some of the transfer from practice to matches when you, um, yeah, I guess you, you like identify what's most important for you to work on and then you do it in challenging situations. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I always felt like I, I could have been, I was never like, I don't know, you watch Hyden, like, ah, oh, he's so smooth. Or you watch Casey <laughs> Patterson. It's like, I always felt like I could have done it better. Yeah. Well, I just was always amazed on your ability to, to, to slow down and really use the, the, the dead time, right. In between whistles, you, mm. you always just used it so well. I thought it was just really efficient. Could you just talk real quick about your self-talk and you mentioned self-talk before, like, how do you, how, how do you use the stoppage time? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, you can already tell I was pretty hard on myself. <laughs> I feel like my self-talk and I think it's pretty natural. I feel like I've listened to some like really high level Olympic athletes. They're like, they're pretty hard on themselves. So I think first, like recognizing maybe you're like, what, what sort of triggers are there that, that get you to like go down on yourself and like be hard on yourself. And, um, you know, then recognize like, is that helpful? Like, is it helpful to be like beating myself up? And then once you start to recognize those, you can start to change it. Like, okay, what could I, what could I, you know, when I go down that path, what could I actually do for me? It helped just to get more external, you know, not like I started to get too quiet. I wasn't as good. So, okay. Being hard on myself. Maybe if I put my focus on trying to get the best out of my partner right now, like maybe I could just like for the next three minutes, I'm going to just build my partner up and help them be King Kong. And, and then as I start to do that, then I stop beating myself up and, and probably start to have a little more effective self-talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think just getting, just getting more external, not like I was going to be dancing around, but just I'd focus on something other than like the mistakes I was making. Um, and then I think when you get in that mode, then you can, yeah, in between points, if, if I get off like crushing myself, I can get more into like, okay, what's, what's the other time, other team like bringing at me, you know, if I can take some time in between points, okay, now I can, I can start to problem solve and adjust and, and do those things. But sometimes it takes some work to get to that point where you can get that clarity, right? Where you can actually mm-hmm. uh, make those adjustments. Um, but yeah, if you get too internal, like it's it's it can be a fog, right? You can just get so in the in the weeds and not be aware of what else is going on around you. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of that, let's transition into flow. You know, I've been asking all my guests about this this uh, this idea of flow. Um, can you identify when you when you're in the game, in the flow, or in the zone, or does it just kind of come and go? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've read on flow. I've read a couple of books. Stephen Kotler's got some good stuff. And the guy I mentioned, Andrew Huberman talks about it. Um, it seems like it's, uh, almost like this, um, impossible to find thing, not impossible, <laughs> but like it, it's like, uh, and it just kind of, it comes up and, it, and, and you're lucky when it does, <laughs> it's like a nice place to be in. Um, it's, I mean, it seems like the two components, right. Are being like really present and having a high level of challenge. Um, which I think sport brings out both those things, right? You, you know, to perform at a high level, you have to be pretty present. And then if you're performing at a high level, you're going to be challenged. So maybe I think part of probably the draw to sport for a lot of us is because we get to experience flow. Um, but when you're in flow, you, you don't even know you're in it. And, you know, I probably wasn't even aware of it half the time, but I think that's what like keeps you going. Uh, you know, keeps you wanting to come back for more to kind of get in those, those flow states so I never was like seeking it out or kind of aware or like trying to like, I don't know, find the, uh, this like Holy grail type of thing. <laughs> I think I just love playing sport and, and, and sport flow is a component of it. Um, 
So yeah, I feel like there's a lot more research that needs to be done on it. I feel like we don't have a good understanding of it or is good, good enough yet. Um, so yeah, it's something I'd love to learn more about. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great take on it. Everyone has a different opinion about it. You know, I was actually ask, asking uh, Karch Karai mm. about it and uh, he was like, flow? No, no, I was, I was never really in the flow. He was like, I can count on one hand my whole yeah. career, um, yeah. how many times he was in the flow. And he was like, it's, for him, it was more about making adjustments. Like you had just mentioned, it's just, you know, um, solving a puzzle rather than, yeah. you know, finding yourself in flow. But for me, you know, and, you know, he's the, he, he's a legend, <laughs> three-time gold medalist. But for yeah. me, you know, sometimes I, I've, I've been able to find it, um, whether it's in sport or even outside of sport, um, and it feels really good. It's like an emotional, like, it's just a good place to be. Like you said, it's like, it's fun actually. Cause you're like, yeah. man, everything, everything kind of slows down and you're just doing your thing. And it's, there's like no resistance. Yeah. Right. Um, can you, can you find it outside of sport? I'm sure you can. I mean, I feel like even <laughs> in conversation and um, I'm sure through your, even through your podcasts and I think in art, you know, like I, I guess one of the places I picture, like I, I love playing music and, um i'll go bang on the drums in my my little music room and i think with flow like time you know you don't have an awareness of time and i'll be out there and it's like oh wow that was you know 30 minutes or an hour um we go to a different place um so yeah i think there's all sorts of ways to to get there um even i think meditation a lot of people you know get in that that flow state so um but i'm not like i don't go about my day thinking like okay how can i create flow in all these different moments uh, it just seems like yeah, this random element that comes up. So I don't know. I I don't know. I don't like craft things around it. Um, but I'm happy if I'm in it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's cool. That's yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Um, just a couple more things, Johnny. Um, I want to ask you about writing. Uh, hmm. shift a little bit, and and because I'm in my writing process, and it's, oh cool. Uh, what are you writing? A, well, I'm writing a book about this this whole idea about Sweet. inspired living, and um, I find it liberating to write but it's also challenging at the same time um could you talk about your writing process and what you learned during that process yeah uh i mean billy allen was really the the guy there he does the podcast with me really you know really good beach volleyball player um he's he's actually a writer like i think i just have a high passion for coaching and skill acquisition and and all that and billy kind of cleans up what i write but yeah it just seems like um I think like Seth Godin talks about this uh, with with like something like writing. I wasn't writing for like, oh, how can I make this accessible accessible to millions of people? It's just like, what am I really curious about? You know, what what am I want to learn more about? Okay, I'll just start writing about that. And if anybody's interested, sweet. If not, you know. So it's just, I think when it's like that, then it's it's not it's not like tedious work. It's just. Yeah, this is kind of, I mean, it's hard and it's challenging, um, but uh, but it's it feels a lot more meaningful. Mm. Um, I, I think it's helpful, like, I don't know, with all this stuff, like building in habits, I found um, just making sure I, you know, set up blocks in the day. It seems like usually the mornings was easiest where you can just carve out time to knock it out because um, it, it's not, writing doesn't feel like, at least for me, the kind of thing where it's like, oh yeah, I can just like do it for 20 minutes. You know, it feels like I want to like really go in deep and like spend a couple hours where like, yeah, if I'm going to go play the drums, if I'm going to go like for a walk with my daughter, like I can, you know, kind of do that like sporadic, like whenever, where it felt like when I was going to like, if I'm really going to like dive in and 
immerse myself. Like I want a block of time to like commit to, to writing for a while. And that can be hard to like commit to. It's like, ah, do I really want to dive into that? And, and it's mm-hmm. going to be like frustrating and hard and, you know, I'm going to write all these crappy sentences. And <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I, you got to talk a lot more to Billy because Billy's actually a writer and he knows what he's doing, but we're working on a couple more books and hmm. um, yeah, it's fun to do. And again, like just I'm not writing, I'm not writing to like please people. I'm writing about what I'm interested in. And if anybody wants to read it, then awesome. I really like that approach. I actually needed to hear that myself. So I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, yeah. I mean, it actually makes me think about your podcast too. I mean, cause you guys have, you guys are, couple years into it now right how many years has it been i think we just passed our sixth year of doing it which is crazy wow wow could you talk a little bit about and congratulations for that that's because that's a lot of work and you know (laughs) (laughs) i get it um could you talk a little bit about some of the main learning lessons that you've had with the podcast or realizations or epiphanies or get you know any guests just talk about your podcast for a second yeah i mean it was again it's like really like a selfish endeavor um uh Billy is the kind of guy's like, if he gets into something, he wants to, he wants to actually do it. Like he, he liked movies. So as a kid, he like made movies with his friends. Like he likes reading books. So, okay, I'll write a book. <laughs> he, yeah, I never thought that way, but so yeah, it's just like, we got started to get into podcasts. So like, what, and he's like, what do you want to make a podcast about? I'm like, uh, I, don't, I really like coaching. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Um, so yeah, I think to me, the biggest benefit has been that I have this habit built into my week that I'm going to talk to someone that I'm curious to ask questions of. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had these conversations otherwise, right? Like you reaching out and having this conversation, we wouldn't have had. Um, so it really pushes me to like reach out to, to someone each week that I'm going to have an interesting conversation. I got to ask these questions of, of Karch Karai, you mentioned we've had a couple of times on, like but I never got to ask him for an hour and a half about passing, you know? So <laughs> it's, it, I think it's just like, have that built into your week is such a great way to learn more and and if there's something like i don't know enough about i've been really into this kind of motor learning idea called ecological dynamics and um yeah i was like okay i'll reach out to this phd and ask him questions like see like somehow like the podcast allows those conversations to happen more often so yeah it's just it continued to drive me as i got into like more of the mental skills sides talk to different sports psychologists um uh, so we've kind of gone all over the map, you name it, we've covered all sorts of topics uh, and uh, it's awesome. And with that too, like, I don't like if people listen. Awesome. Like, that's great. I hope it helps someone. But again, it's just like, I'm, it's more, I'm curious and I want to learn and I get to talk to interesting people. Yeah, no, it's, it's an incredible journey. It really has opened up uh, my world as well. Give it, give a quick plug for it. Oh, just coach your brains out. Um, yeah. If you, I don't know if you're interested in uh um, I, but we cover all sorts of topics from leadership to like really volleyball specific stuff, stuff, like I said, like, uh, I mean, we've done stuff on a pr- approach work, but we've had skateboarders on, we've had authors, um, we've had sports psychologists, we've had, uh, you name it. We've, we've had all sorts of different people. So yeah, if you're just curious, um, and how you can become a better coach, better leader then check it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and uh, wherever you find your podcasts. Basically, Coach Your Brains Out. It's a great podcast. And it's really been inspiring for me. So I appreciate it. Oh, cool. um, I just have one more uh, one more question for you, uh, Johnny. W- what is your ultimate why? 
Uh, yeah, I think it's important to discover that. Um, I've done some exercises and I actually heard you talk to Gervais about uh, one of them that I've done the same one. Uh, I mean, there's different, I think it depends what part of my life, but like my main profession now is coaching. So I'll answer like as a coach, my why is uh, it's to help the people I care about grow. Um, I remember I thought for a while, I was like, oh, I just really love to see people grow and improve. And then I think I started to realize it was more than that. It's like the people that I cared about, right? The people I'm invested in, like the difference between like running a camp with kids you don't even know, like seeing them improve, like that feels good. But like people that you've gotten to know, you know, their families, you know, a ton about them, you know, you know, been through ups and downs, been through battles with to like be a guide to help them learn and improve like that, that fires me up. Like if I can, if I can be that sort of person for the people I care about, um, then yeah, it feels like a pretty, uh, um, meaningful life for me to live. So yeah, I think that's my main why I tried to boil it down. So it's, um, to help the people I care about grow. Yeah. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. I share the same why. So that's, that's <laughs> cool. very, very similar to mine. Oh, cool. John, man, I can't thank you enough for coming on today, man. This was an amazing conversation. I uh, can't wait to listen back to it. A lot of gems in there. Really appreciate your time, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, I feel like I rambled a couple points. So I hope uh, something good came across in there. But I love what you're doing with the podcast. And I'm excited to follow along uh, with your journey. It's really cool. Thank you so much, man. Um, just real quick, how can people get in touch with you? I, you know, I don't do social media and uh, <laughs> I think I got an email address. If you want to email me, john.merit.lmu.edu. Okay. Uh, I'm pretty old school, but there yeah, you go. The best way is just come say hi. I love it, man. I love it. Well, hey, you're a true inspiration and uh, I really appreciate it. And we should do a part two sometime. Let's do it. I'm in. All right, man. Take care. Appreciate yep. it. Thanks. All right. This episode is brought to you by DAF Global. If you're looking to start a podcast or you have a podcast and you're looking for editing services, hit up my guys, Oliver and Garrett at DAF Global. They're awesome. They help me with this podcast and they take care of all kinds of different services like editing and audio enhancement. And they're great to work with. They're also offering a 10% discount to all within the game listeners. So hit my guys up at DAF Global on Instagram and also on their website, www.dafglobal.com dot co dot uk